This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Caroline's Coffee. You can find them online at carolinescoffee.com. Before we get started on this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that the best way to get Homeschooling in Real Life, the podcast, delivered directly to your listening device is to head on over to iTunes and to subscribe to our show. Each week when we produce new podcast material, it will come directly to you without you having to do anything. So head on over to iTunes. And while you're there, why don't you leave us a review as well? We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Join your hosts as they dive into difficult topics that you might not find covered at your local homeschooling convention. Veteran homeschooling parents Andy and Kendra Fletcher use humor, honesty, and grace to discuss just what it looks like to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. We want to welcome you to episode 84 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. You know, we're doing something different for the month of January. We are deciding to take a break between seasons. So before we gear up for our next season, we are working on new material and we are securing new interviews and just doing a lot of really good content. Right now, we are coming at you live from the lovely coast of California. We were out in Carmel today. Yeah, it's kind of a swanky hip place, but uh, we're not swanky or hip. <laughs> <laughs> and then we ended up for uh, dinner at Phil's Fish Market. If you don't know anything about it, look up Phil's Fish Market and Bobby Flay Throwdown. Yeah, well, Phil beat him. I think we've talked about this before in the podcast because Phil's is kind of one of our favorite haunting places. Yeah, stomping grounds. Stomping grounds, and it's a total, uh, total local <laughs> place for us. It feels like it's in our backyard. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyhow, what we're doing is we are rebroadcasting a bunch of our favorite shows, and these are some of our most popular shows. So we just wanted to introduce this one really quickly. If you'll remember, this one is from episode 34. It's Christ in the Chaos, where we sat down with uh, Kendra's friend and author and homeschooling mom, Kim Crandall, and she talked to us about her book, Christ in the Chaos. Yeah, you know, Fletch, this actually has been one of our more popular episodes, and I think there's a really good reason. Um, Kim is just raw. She tells her story um, with a lot of pathos and also because she is a mom who was so involved in the homeschooling community that it, it just infiltrated her life. And it's a great example of hope shifting. Um, it's a great example of thinking that the things we do are what is going to be the, you know, the thing that, that saves our families, that, that makes us right before God, that makes us acceptable to Him. Um, and all that comes crashing down. Yeah, so kicking off. 2016, uh, this rebroadcast of Christ in the Chaos. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. We'll be back at the very end. Boy, do we have a show today, one that knocked my socks off right in the middle of the interview. Our title is Christ in the Chaos, but we are talking again about homeschool families that find themselves wrapped up 
in the behavior of homeschooling. Yeah. And I think it's more insipid than that, Fletch. Um, I think there are a lot of us listening or discussing this topic who say, well, no, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that, that homeschooly person, or I'm not that tied to a religious behavior, but we, we, meaning you and I, and every single one of us, because of our sin nature, we so often gravitate toward things that we think are going to save us in some manner. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm also thinking our listeners are not the ones saying, oh, I'm a legalistic homeschooler. Right. <laughs> right. No, nobody says that. Right. But it's that tightly wound behavior yeah. that comes with homeschooling. And I think if we're all in a room and we're all sitting around saying, yeah, I know, I know who Fletch and Ken's are talking about. I know that family, mm-hmm. or I know that, I, I'm just going to say this, I know that mom, because yeah. that comes out in the interview. Mm-hmm. What we talk about today is it's not necessarily a family behavior. This is a, this was, in this case, a mom behavior. And like you, you and I have often said, it's the homeschool matriarchs that are running a lot of these families into the ground. Mm. Here's the thing that's tricky, I think. Uh, we all want to see our children walk with the Lord. And in fact, we asked this question on the Facebook page of Homeschooling IRL. We said, what is the one thing you want for your children? And every answer was that they know God or that they walk with Jesus or that they are Christians. So this is what we want. And we're so, you know, um, so focused on that as we should be. That is really what we want for our children more than anything else in the world. And, so then we, we do something like homeschooling, which is a really uh, intense choice for most of us. Um, and then you get the kind of mom who needs to feel like they have a sense of control over it because oftentimes, you know, family life just is crazy and chaotic and there's just people with different needs and dinner has to get on the table and you know what I mean. Yeah. And so it's this, like, I've got to have this, this amount of control or I've got to be organized or I've got to be, which is true. There are those things, but I think we can get so, so focused on the homeschooling that it becomes an idol to us very quickly. And I can remember being wrapped up in all of that, like this was really the tool that was going to make our kids launch um, into the world as committed Christians. And But I remember thinking at the time, too, we had this friend who was raised in a family that was not a believing family. It was sort of a train wreck. He was dropped off at the casino cafeteria, and his parents gave him his sister 20 bucks and said, we'll see you at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, parents and, gambled. They played video games. Right, exactly. And that man is one of the most godly, committed believers I've ever met. Yeah. Um, in my own family, I have a sister-in-law who... In case he's listening, he's also really thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> so I have uh, a sister-in-law who, again, is like just the best wife for my brother, and she loves Jesus, and she she's always growing and learning and loving, you know, loving to grow in her faith. She was raised in a home um, where dad left the family for another man and lived with his, his male lover and still is, you know, all these years. And it was chaos and it was void of Jesus. She met Jesus in college. And then having been raised in the church, having been raised amongst Christians and around Christians, I also know lots of young adults and, and adults my age now who were raised in Christian homes and said, I want nothing to do with this. You know, I remember dating a guy in high school. This, you know, it was dating. We were dating. 
There's no courting. <laughs> we were dating. We, we dated too. We talked about that on a previous episode. We did. So uh, he, his dad was an MK, and his dad came out of that Christian upbringing and said, I want nothing to do with this at all. And so what then is going to ultimately hold on to the, the heart of your child? You know, what, what is it that's ultimately going to save them? Easy to say, well, Jesus, Jesus is, right? Yeah. I don't think any of us would deny that, that it's Jesus's work on the cross. It's what Jesus has done. It's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It's how he keeps us and maintains us and walks with us. However, for some reason, parenting is such an emotional and all-encompassing thing. Then you throw homeschooling in there that adds a whole other dimension. And now we really think that something we're going to do or some choice we've made or some lifestyle is going to be the thing that saves our kids. Yeah. And we've talked about this in entire episodes. And we're going to keep coming back to it because our listeners and our Facebook Twitter friends out there, they're the ones that are telling us, keep talking about this. This is still an issue in our family in our lives or in those around us. Yeah, and Fletch, you and I. I mean, you asked me this morning when we were sitting in the church pew, you said, do you need to be told that God loves you, yeah. that you are loved by God? And what did I say? Every day. Every, every day. Because every, every day, I'm waking up and putting my hope in something that is in Jesus, whether I'm conscious of it or not. Yeah, so chaos, Lives in Chaos, that's what we're talking about. And right. the book, Christ in the Chaos, is one that has impacted you. Mm -hmm. And this woman, Kim Crandall, is someone you've met in real life. Mm -hmm. So why don't you really quickly just introduce her uh, to our listeners, and then we'll go right to the interview. You bet. So Kim is an author out of San Diego, California, and we met... Um, in real life last year at a little retreat um, that I had for some writers and walked a long walk on the beach one afternoon. Um, and she spilled this story to me. I had read Christ in the Chaos. Uh, I had gone through it as a book study with my readers on Preschoolers in Peace. Um, it has touched a lot of lives because she talks about Jesus, the gospel, those answers to the chaos in our lives, um, and particularly the chaos for young moms. So you know, she's telling me this story and I'm crying <laughs> and she's crying. And what is so beautiful and poignant is the redemptive work of Jesus. All right. Well, let's not waste any time. Here's our interview with Kim Crandall. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are and who you are and um, where you fall into this whole homeschooling in real life thing? Okay, well, like you said, I'm Kim Crandall. Um, I live in Southern California, San Diego County. Uh, we have four kids, 13, 11, 9, and 7. My 13-year-old is partially homeschooled. She's in a charter, so she goes three days a week, and she's home twice a week. And then I have my 11- and 9-year-old in public school. And just this week, uh, we our seven-year-old out of public school, and now he is homeschooled full-time. So I kind of feel like maybe if we just put one kid in private school, we'll just have all the bases covered <laughs> as far as education goes. Yeah. Uh, we've done it all. We've been, we have fully homeschooled, we've done private school, we've done grandma school, we've done public school. So 
we're just kind of all over the place. I'm very interested in grandma school. I think that's something grandma I would have liked. I, I somehow I picture there's a lot of cookies involved. Um, no. <laughs> it, um, yeah, she she's a retired teacher, so I would send my kids up there twice a week. Uh, so Kim, are you ready to get real? I'm ready to get real. So, Kim, you talked about kids in different educational uh, situations, and I think a lot of us are in that position right now. Um, In fact, I was just talking to somebody last night about the fact that when we were growing up, you seemed to go to the neighborhood elementary school, and then you went to the junior high, and then you went to the high school, and it was just sort of a foregone conclusion. You know, like nobody thought anything differently. Or, you know, if your parents put you in a Christian school, that's just what you did. So it wasn't like this year-by-year assessment thing, and I feel like that's where we have been with some of our students, like what's going to be the best thing for them this year. So tell me how you have gotten to that point, because I know when we've talked before there was a time that homeschooling was the only, the only answer for you. Yeah. We started out, when we were first married, we knew some friends who had homeschooled. And, and it was before, you know, I'm 40, so that was a long time ago, um, when homeschooling wasn't super popular. You didn't have all the charter schools and all the help that you have now. And, and we really didn't know a lot of people that homeschooled. But the families that we did know, we thought, you know, that we like that. We like those kids. We like what they're doing. Let's do that. Um, and, and there was no like godliness tied to it. It wasn't preached in the church. It wasn't, there was, it wasn't like a a thing that just Christians did. It was just, it was cool because your kids just had a different learning environment and you could do so much more. And that's what we really loved about it. So, um, we decided that that's what we would do before we even started having babies. And then the babies came and came and came and came. Um, the further along we went, um, we got deeper into legalism. And I, and my husband, I was just kind of dragging my husband along. He, you know, he was like, okay, whatever, honey, <laughs> you know, just not really. He saw that it looked good and, and he just said, you know, go for it. And, and so we made this decision, you know, we're homeschooling, kindergarten through college and then even to a point where well our girls aren't going to college or you know just just very um, legalistic about it and had no um no grace for people who who had made any other decisions um it was really our community that we were in the church that we were in was all mostly homeschoolers. Um, the majority was homeschoolers. It was kind of preached from the pulpit that homeschooling was the godly way to do things. So this is what you do with your kids. Um, and, and just develop this school, you know, public school is the devil. Um, and I used to threaten my kids that, um, I would put them in public school. And so when the day came that I put them in public school, they were, they were really frightened. Um, so that's the camp that we were in. Um, I was all about wearing long skirts, blogging about modesty, telling everybody, um, how they could be just like me. All right. So Kim, when you say, uh, we, you know, kind of got into legalism. I was, I was dragging my husband along those kind of things. Um, can you just specify for me when you say we, we kind of got into legalistic homeschooling, do you mean like, 
like locally, like, and I can be like just your family or the group you were in, or were you reading things nationally or online or were there ministries that were affecting you? Oh boy. There was a lot of, uh, ministries and books, the books that they put out, um, that I could give a list of <laughs> that, that I really had gotten into. So I, I think a lot of it is I spent a lot of time online while I was nursing the babies and yeah, I, we, we did have a strong community of homeschoolers and I, I never felt like anyone was saying you have to do it this way, but it was, it was kind of what, what everybody did. And so I just, I'm a follower and I just kind of followed along because I thought, I thought Christianity was about keeping the rules. And so this was another rule that I can keep if, you know, God will be happy with me if I homeschool all of my kids, bake my own bread, wear long skirts, um, do all of those things. And so, so I, I would say it's on both levels. Like I was supported by the community around me, but I was drawing my ideas and then giving them others around me, which, you know, I just regret that so much. So many conversations I would love to go back to and say, I was so wrong in saying that. Okay. So, uh, again, that's, I think, kind of lining right up with where homeschooling in real life is, is that a lot of times this isn't true legalism. It's not do this and you'll be saved. I mean, you you probably like us, you were smart enough to say, well, this isn't behavior that saves me. Um, yeah. This is behavior that makes me better than, well, definitely better than people around me who are not following this behavior. Um, but it's also kind of what we call, uh, maybe, did you ever become a lifestyle evangelist? Mm. You know what I mean by that? So like people, yeah. people see you, see your family and they say, oh, you know, we, we really like what the Crandalls are doing. And rather than point them to Jesus you pointed them to a behavior. You're like, oh, well, it's because we homeschool. It's because I, I wear long dresses and my husband is the head of our household and and we practice things like patriarchy and this and that. You know, you kind yep. of go down that path. Does that kind of uh, make sense to you or ring a bell? Oh, definitely. I mean, there was a time we had, you know, we had four young kids and they we decided we were going to be family integrated um, in church. We would, you know, they'd all sit in church lined up and sit nice and quietly. And um, people would ask us, how do you get them to do that? And I would tell them, you sit them down on the couch for an hour every day. And if they get off of the couch, you discipline them. And I think back to that, like I'll tell my friends who, you know, know nothing about all of that um, kind of lifestyle. And they just think I'm absolutely crazy. Like, why would you make a toddler sit on the couch for an hour? I said, well, I would turn on a sermon and they would listen to it. <laughs> just, I go back and I think about the ridiculous stuff that I would do so that I would look good. So that, it, and we were that family that people would say, wow, you know, I want to be like that. But, but the deal is, is that on the outside, that's what we looked like. The girls and I were wearing matching dresses. Um, our kids were all sitting in a row in church quietly. But our marriage was falling apart. Um, I was sinking into a very deep depression. As I, as I became more and more depressed, um, nobody in the church knew. I had one friend in the church that knew. And then, you know, the pastor and his wife were counseling me. Um, and, and I was covering it all up. And I began cutting and burning. Um, I'd be in the bathroom in between subjects you know, cutting myself because I couldn't, 
it was the only way that I could relieve the pressure that I had put on myself. Um, and I know everybody doesn't really understand that. And it seems like such a weird thing, but, but that's, that's where I ended up. And I was, um, I was withholding food from myself. I was taking lax, I was binging and taking laxatives, um, all of these things. Yet we were leading Bible study, um, going to homeschool groups, you know, doing all the right outwardly things and looking like great Christians, you know, going to the hymn sings, just doing, doing the things. The, the more I struggled internally, the more I clung to the, the externals. Um, so the more depressed I became, the more I wanted to try to make up for that, for my sin. Um, not that depression's a sin, but the, the other sin that was going on, um, you know, I'd get out my sewing machine and well, I'll, I'll make homemade clothes. I'll, you know, cook all my food from scratch, just pouring myself into that to try to cover up for everything that was going on inside. Wow. This is a good place to just take a break and a breather from this interview. Yeah. You know, when Jesus talked about the bondage that the Pharisees were in when he talks about their lives being like whitewashed tombs. This is that death and destruction he's talking about that our religious behavior gains for us. Yeah. And you know what? Let's, let's take a break now, uh, just for a quick moment, just to catch our breath. And when we come back, in case you think this is just bizarro world homeschooling and you know, oh, I have nothing to do with this. Kim is going to share some of the common behaviors that were circulating around her at this time in the homeschool community. And I have a feeling our listeners, Kendra, are going to relate to a lot of these behaviors. We'll be right back. This is Carol Topp from the Dollars and Cents Show podcast. You're listening to Homeschooling in Real Life. When you're done listening to Fletch and Kendra here, why don't you head on over to the Dollars and Cents Show where I talk about something of interest to everybody. That's money and also a big old dose of common sense. I'll talk to you about uh, running a micro business, managing money, career exploration, and sometimes tips for running a homeschool organization as well. Hi, I always enjoy listening to Fletch and Kendra, and I hope you'll enjoy the other podcasts here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. You can find us at iTunes as well, and I, um, I hope you'll consider dropping a great review both for all the work Fletch and Kendra do here at the Homeschool Real Life Podcast as well as my show, Dollars and Cents. Thanks, everybody. We're back. Kim just shared with us her story of her own personal descent into homeschool chaos. But we were wondering, what were some of the behaviors she was seeing? When she talks about outward behavior of the homeschool community surrounding her, what exactly is she talking about? And what do we stand to learn from her story? Can you maybe just share a few of the um, external behaviors that you saw when you were in this kind of cloistered homeschool community that was focused on these things? Some of the external behaviors. Um, yeah, 
but it was it was a lot of it was okay well you have to dress a certain way um you know for some people that was only skirts and dresses um for some people you know just just modesty or um and and I'm all for modesty but just over the top like you can't wear clothing that clings to your skin whatsoever and shows your body at all um eating all organic whole foods um you know crazy shopping trips when we live you know half an hour from any any kind of health food store baking your own bread was really big i think it's changed the culture's changed a little bit in the past you know 10 years where i was to now or I sh- no, it hasn't been 10 years, six, eight years. Um, I think now it's like everyone's really into the, you got to use essential oils so you can't give your kid an aspirin. You know, it's yeah. very, I, I, I Facebook, you know, this essential oil thing. I see so many people sharing their testimonies about how essential oils has saved, changed their life. And I think, okay, well, and Jesus, um, <laughs> you know, who's, who's the savior here? I mean, you know, you're talking about externals, but you know, and you did talk about what was going on inside, but is there anything else you think you should add to that discussion before we talk about how you, how the Lord really brought you out or woke you up or saved you from that? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it was just a, a misunderstanding of the, the gospel and me thinking that it was the externals of the Christian life that made you a godly person, not the fact that Christ died for me, um, and, you know, I have his righteousness because of the cross that made me godly. Um, I, I really lived a life where I thought, okay, if I could just cover up all this sin, because I knew I couldn't not sin. Like, that, you know, for a long time, that was my goal. Well, every morning I wake up and try not to sin. And that's, I was obsessed with trying not to sin. Um, and then I, I got just, you know, I think four kids just kind of pushed me over the edge and, Uh, we just things started to fall apart in our family and I I knew I couldn't not sin. So, well, if I could cover it up and look good and do what I thought were the godly things on the outside, then God would be more pleased with me. Wow. Which is bondage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And at what point then, because I know, you know, we have a similar story and the bondage was, was so there, so deep and so entrenched. We were so entrenched in that, that we didn't even recognize it until the Lord really started to pull us out and show us how bankrupt all of that was. So for you, when did it, when did that start to happen? When did, when did the Lord really start to deliver you from that kind of outward behavior bondage? Well, I think there's a point um, where God just has to break your legs because <laughs> you're running and running on your own. And I think, you know, he finally broke my legs and picked me up and carried me. And and that point, you know, I, I got to the lowest point of where I had um, planned a suicide and um, thankfully ended up, you know, getting discovered and, um, and that's where that was, I, I don't think you can get any lower than that. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my breaking point. And that's where it, all the rebuilding came after that point where God started to show me that I was his and how much he cherished me, no matter 
where I was in life. Um, I talk about in my book how I went an entire year. I just decided I wasn't going to be a Christian anymore because I couldn't do it anymore. And that, you know, that was the thought of, well, I can't do this. Why even live? What, you know, I, I just can't do it anymore. Um, this isn't a life of freedom. And so I gave up on Christianity and um, ignored God for close to a year. <clears throat> and honestly, it was in that year that I grew the most in my Christian walk. And it sounds so backwards, but it's so beautiful because it shows me how much, and I always go back to that. It shows me how much this is God's work. You know, this is not about me and what I do. This is about God and who he is and what he's done for me. And if he could grow me and change me and open my eyes to greater things in a year where I had completely denied him, um, he can do anything. Hey, this is John Wilkerson from The Wired Homeschool over at thewiredhomeschool.com. You're listening to Fletch and Kendra on homeschooling in real life. So, Kim, uh, we love your story because it just echoes uh, so many parts of our story and that you know, we can relate to that. Uh, we think our listeners uh, will be able to relate to that, and we really hope that if there are some that are maybe stuck um, in, in those same lifestyle behaviors. Uh, we're hoping that this conversation we're having will encourage them to uh, find help, get out, you know, any of those terms we've used, escape, <laughs> you know, find the yeah. gospel. Um, but you wrote a book called Christ in the Chaos. And where does that fit into this? And then maybe what does that book offer our listeners? Christ in the Chaos is born of all of this. Um, it, it's, it was kind of my processing of coming out of this and now living in light of the gospel. It was really me processing. So I'm leaving all of this behind. Now, how should I live? Now, how does it look? What does the gospel look like in motherhood and in my struggles? Um, I had to, I had to relearn how to digest um, my days. And, you know, thankfully I had, um, a good friend who, who her comment always was to me, well, where's the gospel fit in with that? And so I wanted to write something about how does the gospel speak to motherhood? And, and really the book is, you know, anyone can read it. It's not necessarily about motherhood. It's just that that's the context that I was living in and God was revealing things to me. in. I have a lot of like even single men who write to me and say, I read your book. I love it. Um, because I, I, I think anytime you write about the gospel, you can say anything. It can be out of any context, but but really speaking to the gospel, and it's going to speak to anybody. Um, and so I wanted to tell a little bit about my story, and I, I just I just wanted something that was going to free moms. Um, I want I wanted people to to experience that freedom and to know that God is not an angry God. He's not mad at us. Um, he's not standing up in heaven with his arms crossed, waiting for us to get it right. Um, he's, you know, he's loving us. He's rejoicing over us and all of our failures and, and all of our struggles. He's standing with us and walking us through it, not waiting for us to 
um, you know, pass the test and to see what we've learned after we've walked through it. Um, so many of our listeners are young homeschool parents and young homeschool moms are really who are listening to this podcast. We have a few dads here and there and, and I'm trying to build that. But um, a lot of them ask us for the practical. Okay. So yeah. you've talked about this and I get it in theory. I mean, Fletch and Kendra talk about Jesus plus nothing equals everything and, and hope shifting and, um, you know, putting your hope in Christ alone and all these things. But those are all great terms. But what does that look like? Does your book address some of that, like the practicality of, of how life went from, from rigid behavior to trusting in Christ? Here's the thing is I did not want to write a how-to book. Right. I did not want to give any advice. And I purposely, and it was hard to do. It was hard to not tell people what to do because that's the easiest book to write. I always think if I could write how-to books, like, I mean, I could sit down and pound out a how-to blog in just a few minutes. But when I'm, you know, writing and speaking about gospel, it takes me, you know, an hour to write something. And I think there, yeah, I, and I, I just really purposefully did not include that because it shifts our focus. I think that there's, there's two different ways of, um, you know, when, when we read books, there's how to books are great, but can we leave God out of it? Like, can we just read a book about how to teach our kids to do this, this, or this without having to make it this, this huge um, thing about God? And I don't know if that makes sense. Um, well, no, I'm, I guess what you gave me the answer I was hoping for, which is people ask us all the time, can you tell us yeah. what to, you know, basically they're, they're, they're taking the same question and they're just shifting it over to us. They're like, you know, I've been stuck in this how to mentality where I've been wearing the right clothes and using the right curriculum and doing the right events and avoiding the, this entire list. And they just list it all, you yeah. know, avoid Facebook, yeah. avoid Twitter. Um, but you know, and what you guys talk to, you're speaking life to me. Can you tell me what to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we love to be told what to do. We want it. We're safe. We're, we feel safe when we're working within the confines of boundaries and we think, okay, well, if I'm not doing this or I am doing this, then I can approve of myself. And I think that's what a, a lot of it comes down to is self-approval and other approval, all while forgetting that we're completely approved by Christ. You know, I talk about how, you know, we, we don't have to wake up every morning and rewrite our resume of righteousness. You know, we've, we've been given that righteousness through the cross. We don't wake up every morning. Like he didn't give us a clean slate at the cross. I know a lot of Christians like to say that, you know, your slate is wiped clean at the cross. Well, um, yeah, but then it was rewritten. It was rewritten with Christ's perfect record. So that's now our record and that can't be erased. And so we wake up every morning and we've got that perfect record no matter what happens throughout the day. We don't have to spend our time trying to rewrite that, that record or that resume and that, that just gives us, that allows us to free fall into grace. Um, and I think that's a scary place for a lot of people. And that was for me for a really long time. And it still is for me. Like it's a constant, <laughs> constant free falling. Um, nobody likes the feeling of falling backwards, um, not sure whether they're going to be caught or not. Um, <clears throat> but that, that is what grace is all about. It's, we want a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. 
Kim, thanks so much for being with us. And we want our listeners to be able to find you. So where are you writing these days? Um, I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, but my main site is kimcrandall.com. And you can go there and there's a link to purchase the book or you could go to Amazon. Um, I'm also blogging with Liberate and I also um, run a web or a ministry called Dropping Keys Ministry. Um, that's probably the, the most recent place that I've blogged. And I'm in the mid- middle of writing another book um, called Beloved Mess that will be out in the summer of 2016 with Baker Books. So Christ in the Chaos is published by Cruciform Press, and you can get it through cruciformpress.com or at Amazon. Okay. Thanks so much for being with us today and for being willing to share your um, often unlovely story. But Mm -hmm. uh, that's real life, and we appreciate you pointing us all back to Jesus in the process. It's my pleasure. All right. That was a great episode. Again, it was fun to listen to one more time. Kim Crandall, like you said, real and raw. Just this is who I am. And the crazy thing is she couldn't do that initially right. in the homeschooling world. Right. But in the chaos, Christ came out. The gospel freed her to be able to say, this is what the real me is going on. Yeah. And we are just so thankful again that she took the time. Um, you know, just a reminder that um, we are taking this month off. We are going to be reworking some interviews. We have some great ones coming up. I just want to give you a little sneak peek. Uh, we're going to do a series on spiritual abuse, and that is something that happens a lot in the homeschooling world where we see homeschoolers try and do it perfectly and then, in fact, try and do church perfectly. They can be prime targets for spiritual abuse. Absolutely. And I think, too, um, we do have listeners we know who don't homeschool their kids. Um, and spiritual abuse is a real thing. I don't know that we always recognize it as that. Um, and I'm not, we're not definitely not saying that this is going on in churches, you know, like every church, Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but, um, sometimes it's just a little insidious and we don't recognize that there's some manipulation or um, control going on. So this is going to be a great series. Yeah, we'll be doing that. We have uh, homeschooling with teen boys and moms. That'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about traveling with your kids. Uh, we have some homeschooling families. We know that travel really well and there's way more than tips and and, uh, tricks it's just going to be we're going to encourage you to get out there with your kids and learn on the road and learn in different locations and then one of our favorite guests Dr. Melanie Wilson uh, she's a Christian psychologist we had her on for an episode of uh, depression she's going to come on to talk about something that really matters to her that we've kind of already mentioned but she said can I come back on is me time really necessary? Yeah. And that's going to be a great show. So welcome to the new year. Thank you for listening again to this rebroadcast. Don't forget, if you want to talk to us uh, in the virtual world, you can get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschoolingirl. You can tweet to us at homeschoolirl, or you can email us info at homeschoolingirl.com. But what we'd really, really, really love for you to do is join our subscribers list, um, not because we're selling you anything or because we're going to bombard your inbox, but because we do have some fun things that we throw out at our subscribers, including extra content. So that's sometimes the fun uh, backstory or a continuation of an interview that people say, wait, I wanted to hear the rest of that. And we couldn't fit into an episode. Yeah. And again, this is a community where we encourage you to live freely, fearlessly, and recklessly because Jesus has set you free. Hey, hurlers, we love you. We'll talk to you next week. 
You've been listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Everything on this podcast was written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information, or if you'd like to contact your hosts, please visit them on homeschoolingirl.com 